You are listening to a podcast from the UAB School of Nursing Health Network. Good afternoon, and welcome to Clinical Pearls. I'm your host, Tedra Smith. Today, we are delighted to have with us Dr. Susan McMullen and Dr. Edwin Oroki. Welcome. We'll begin our conversation today by allowing you to tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a nurse and an anesthetist. And I'll start with you, Dr. McMullen. Okay. Thank you, Dr. Smith. And thanks for the kind introduction. I've been a nurse anesthetist for 34 years this year, which makes me feel uh, a little ancient, but it is what it is. Um, and I uh, started out my career with an academic appointment and taught for a few years. And then I went into private practice for the next about 20 years before deciding to go back and work in academia because I wanted to be a nurse anesthesia program director. Um, I found out about nurse anesthesia or we also call it nurse anesthesiology. The terms are synonymous, so you may hear us saying both. Um, from my mother, she was an Air Force flight nurse. Both my parents were in the Air Force. My father was a pilot. And my mother um, knew nurse anesthetists, and I wanted to go into nursing in a lot of ways to be like my mother. And um, she said, I think you should check out uh, nurse anesthesia. I think you'd really like it. And so I did. Great, thank you. Great story. And Dr. Oroki, how did you become interested in being a nurse anesthetist? And tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, thank you, Dr. Smith. Yeah, again, I am Edwin Oroki. I am currently a tenured associate professor here at UAB. So my background is a little unusual. So I started out with in biochemistry, uh, thinking that I wanted to go to school. I decided that now I wanted to go to become a nurse went to nursing school. While in nursing school, we had a rotation during our med search. At, at least. Specifically, I think it was at Lauren Hospital in uh, That was when I first of all heard about the nurse anesthetics. So in the OR, I was really intrigued by this guy who was anesthesia. Since then, I fell in love with the profession, learned a little bit about, about it. Then decided, you know, that path was really what was more suited for me. And the rest is history. And I've loved every minute of it. Now I've been a nurse and let's say this one. Thank you. Thank you both for sharing that little bit of information about yourselves. Now, I did hear Dr. McMullen mention nurse anesthetist versus nurse anesthesiologist. So can you tell me the difference between a nurse anesthetist, a nurse anesthesiologist, and a physician anesthesiologist. And Edwin, if you don't mind, could you elaborate on that for me? Sure. Um, that's a very good question. Now, I think to understand the difference, one main thing to really look at is what is anesthesiology. And basically, that is a study of anesthesia. And so, and it's a specialty you know, for those who are going to specialize in anesthesia. So basically, you can say a nurse anesthetist or a nurse anesthesiologist. It's basically the same thing. Nurse who went back to school specialized in the delivery of anesthetics or specialized in the matter of science of anesthetics. On the other hand, you have physician anesthesiologists who are individuals who follow went through medical school and specialize in anesthetics. So if you have somebody who has gone through nursing school, has critical care background, and specializes in anesthesia, that person is called 
nurse anesthetist or a nurse anesthesiologist, depending on the state and some preference. And we have somebody who goes through medical school and specializes in the development of anesthesia at the medical Thank you. Thank you for that great explanation, because I know those two terms are thrown around, and sometimes there's a lot of confusion about what they actually mean. Um, Dr. McMullen, in your role um, in academia, what are the prerequisites for someone who would want to become a nurse anesthetist? Could you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Another great question. So, um, First of all, you have to go to nursing school or, and you have to have a bachelor's of science in nursing if you're going to a nurse anesthesia program that's in a school or college of nursing. But some nurse anesthesia programs are housed in a college of health professions. And in those instances, you can have a bachelor's degree in science as well as your registered nurse uh, certification. So a BSN, a BS and a registered nurse um, licensure, and then you have to have um, one year of critical care experience before you can um, go into a nurse anesthesia program, and our programs are at the doctoral level now. Doctoral level now? I think that's across the whole United States, correct? Yes, so um, nurse, nurse anesthesia or nurse anesthesiologist was the first advanced practice nursing specialty to move their whole specialty to the doctoral level. And as of 2022, anyone who's entering a nurse anesthesia program will have to be, and all the programs have to be converted to doctoral. So by 2025, when they graduate, 36 months later, they will come out with a doctoral degree. So virtually all of our programs have trans, transformed now. Okay. And I know the program is very rigorous. Do you mind expanding upon didactic and clinical and what that looks like for someone who's enrolled in the nurse anesthetist program? Not at all. Um, I'd be happy to. So um, the programs are run a little bit differently. Some are front loaded with didactic curriculum and then clinical. Um, the majority of programs now are integrated because with didactic most of them are didactic up front and then some uh, didactic integrated while the students are doing their clinical residency time. So um, in terms of what didactic courses they need to take, it's very heavy in, in science, biochemistry, pharmacology one, pharmacology two, which is anesthesia pharmacology, uh, physiology, pathophysiology, anatomy, and then of course all the specialty uh, nurse anesthesia courses as well as all of the doctor of nursing practice or doctor of nurse anesthesia practice, if you're in the College of Health Professions, all of those courses woven in as well. So it is a very rigorous curriculum and um, the students are very busy. Thank you. Just one other follow-up question. Um, the ICU experience, can it be from any population such as adult versus pediatrics or is there one preferred over the other? Another good question. So there really isn't one preferred over the other, um, as long as you meet the critical care requirement by Council on Accreditation, which means that you're managing vasoactive infusions, you're managing patients on ventilators, such as um, weaning and extubating or putting them on 
you know, assisting putting them on the ventilator and managing patients in those acute care settings. So um, people who apply can be from neonatal ICU, pediatric ICU, or any of the adult ICUs, and none of them are particularly preferred over the other as long as you're able to meet the criteria of the definition, which is, as, as I mentioned earlier. Thank you so much, Susan, for that great explanation. Um, Edwin, do you mind explaining to us what areas of the hospitals would a nurse anesthetist work in besides operating room? And before you begin, do you mind moving just a little bit closer to the microphone? It's just a little bit hard for me to hear you. Sure. Can you hear me a little better? Yes, that sounds better. Thank you. All right. So um, in terms of where nurse anesthetists practice in the hospital, you know, they are in so many different places. So one would be, like you said, the OR, you know, in the operating room. That is really where most of them practice, putting patients to sleep, waking them up at the end of the procedure. Also, anywhere where a procedure is done which could be painful, nurse anesthetists potentially work there. So, for instance, if somebody is going through an endoscopic procedure, you know, such as a scope, you know, a GI scope, you will see nurse anesthetists there making sure that they are comfortable, keeping them very, you know, comfortable and making sure that they are breathing okay. Also, you have procedures such as radiology, interventional radiology, or for, in some cases, children who are going through MRI who may be, you know, fearful of the machines and the noise, nurse anesthetists are also there to make sure that they are breathing okay, making sure that they are comfortable, making sure that they are not moving around. You equally have nurse anesthetists even outside of the OR, like in the military, you have a lot of nurse anesthetists who take care of our military, uh, our soldiers in the, in the uh, active military personnel. You also have nurse anesthetists like ourselves, myself and Dr. McMullen, who are in the academic side and also doing research. So pretty much in various settings, you have nurse anesthetists. Thank you, Edwin. So there's a lot of other things nurse anesthetists can do besides putting people to sleep and waking them up because that's what the general population think of. There's many other things that nurse anesthetists can do. Is that correct? That is correct. And especially with the onset of COVID, another, that's another area where nurse anesthetists and their skills have really become more obvious. You know, you now have nurse anesthetists who went back to the ICU to help as advanced practice nurses take care of patients during COVID. Also, you have nurse anesthetists who help with pain management. Right? There is a, actually a specialty now within nurse anesthetists who go back to school for a fellowship to become experts in pain management. So you have some nurse anesthetists working in pain management clinics and you know associated procedures like that. Thank you, Edwin. We do have a question from our audience and I'll let you or Susan answer it. Is there a preference on where you should shadow if you're thinking about becoming a nurse anesthetist? Should you do OR, should you do outpatient or is there specific setting you would recommend for someone to go shadow if this is something that they're interested in? I can answer that one. I'll let you answer. Okay. Um, so yeah, good question. Actually, there really isn't a, a preferred place. Um, right now, especially with COVID restrictions, it has been harder for people to get their shadowing experiences. So I would say right now, if you 
working in a hospital as an ICU nurse, if you can see if you could shadow at your own hospital since you're already um, you know, employed there, it's probably easier for you to shadow. But you're going to see patients going to sleep and being woken up, as, as Dr. Smith said, um, in the outpatient area, as well as in the operating room and even in some procedural areas. So as long as there is a nurse anesthetist there or an anesthesiologist that you want to, that you can shadow, that would be appropriate. Thank you. Thank you so much, Susan. And feel free to call me Tedra. So okay. um, speaking of COVID, I know the job market for nurses is, is really high right now. What is the job market like right now for nurse anesthetists? And Susan, I'll let yeah. you answer if you would like to. Or the job market, oh, the job, yes. we can both answer. The job market is wide <laughs> open right now. Um, I can tell you that um, with uh, the baby boomer population, which yes, I am a, a member of, and uh, we have a large generation and there are a lot of people who are getting older and need surgeries. And so surgical volume has picked up across the nation and places have been expanding um, their orthopedic surgery towers and their general surgery towers. And so there's definitely a need for nurse anesthetists all across the nation. Some places the job market is more wide open than the others, but I would say generally speaking, you could probably find a job anywhere you want to work within reason right now. Thank you. Thank you. Edwin, could you elaborate on the characteristics of a person typically that works as a nurse anesthetist? Like what sort of characteristics would typically a person in that role have? So I, that's a very good, that's a very good question. I always joke with the fact that um, as a nurse anesthetist, really, I think one of the things that stands out is you have to be somebody who pays attention to details. You know, it's a lot of, like uh, Dr. McMillan had mentioned earlier, you know, there's a bit, fair bit of sciences which go into it, but there is, you must equally be very good with your hands. So it's a fair balance of sciences, you know, be very good with your sciences in terms of pharmacology, understanding anatomy, understanding physiology, and how people respond to medication. But at the same time, there is a lot of tactical aspect to it, right? Being able to do procedures, intubate patients, place lines, all of those require you being very good with your hands. So somebody who has a very fair balance of being very, you know, cerebral, but equally very hands-on. Of course, we practice within teams. So you have to definitely be a team player because you are working with the surgeons, the circulating nurse, and other OR personnel. So you cannot do anesthesia by yourself. So you have to be somebody who can function well within a team. Now, but at the same time, one of the most critical things as a nurse anesthetist is being able to function under pressure. Because you know, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, your role is to keep the patient awake, keep the patient alive, no matter what is happening. So there may be circumstances or situations where the patient gets unstable. The nurse and nurses cannot freak out. So again, it has to be somebody who could function under high stress. And then maybe Dr. Magdalena may have something to add. No, I think that was a great answer, Edwin. I think you're spot on. Thank you. Thank you, Edwin, for uh, that was a great explanation of the characteristics. Susan, I wanted to ask you about continuing education requirements. I know there's the basic 
nursing requirements here in Alabama, 24 hours every two years. Are there other requirements of continuing education from, for someone that's a nurse anesthetist? Yeah, thanks for asking that. I'd like to clarify that because once, um, once the students graduate from the nurse anesthesia program, they take a certification exam, which is a national exam, and they have to pass that exam and able to work. And if they don't, which most of them do, of course, uh, they cannot work. So after passing that exam, the, um, our National Board of Certification and Recertification, which is known as the NBCRNA, has, has nurse anesthetists basically on a four-year cycle of recertification. And once every eight years, you have to take a comprehensive assessment. It's not an examination, it's an assessment in four domains to um, assess your, to have your knowledge assessed. And then if you need additional work on that area, you can do some extra modules. We also have something called core modules that we have nurse anesthetists doing every four years to maintain their certification and to make sure that they're staying up to speed on what's new and changing in the profession. Um, let's see, am I forgetting anything? Uh, I think those are the, the basic the basic things of recertification. We like to uh, we like to think of nurse anesthetists as lifelong learners, in order to mm -hmm. really ensure patient safety, so that people are keeping up through the course of their lifetime and making sure that the patients get cutting edge care. Thank you. I think that's an important point for all nurses um, to be lifelong learners. What is a day in the life of someone that's working in a hospital setting as a nurse? And either one of you can answer. Edwin, would you like to answer that? Kind of a walk us yeah. through the day in life of, you know, how long is your day? How much interaction with patients? How long do you stay in each day if you're in the operating room? So it, I think, again, kind of an extension of what we have from nursing, right? So it depends on the person's shift. So CRNAs or nurse anesthetists work various shifts. Some work seven to three, some work seven to five, some work seven, eight to 70, some do 24 hour shifts. But for a typical, let's take you know, a CRNA or a nurse anesthetist who works seven to five. Generally, you arrive in the hospital around six, 6.30, you know, you make sure that the, ro the room is checked, make sure that your machine is working. So we go through this checklist, similar to what uh, pilots do before they take off the planes. Basically making sure that the machine is working as you expect, the ventilation is working, making sure that all the pipes or the monitors that you're going to be using are working appropriately. And then around 7 a.m. is when you meet the patient, you introduce yourself to the patient and do your preoperative assessment. That really gives you a quick short snap of who your patient is, are there any concerns, did they take any medications or which they were not supposed to, or did they eat anything or drink anything that morning? Then depending on the surgical procedure that you are doing, you may be in a case, you know, if you are at a big institution where they are doing large you know, surgical procedures, you may have that case go anywhere from 7 a.m. to sometimes even 5 p.m. or 7 p.m. But if you are in a room where there are smaller procedures, you may have multiple procedures to do. And then between cases, you have to make sure that the patient is doing well in the recovery room, come back and check the machine again, turn over the monitors and make sure that everything is wiped down and prepared for the next patient to come in. So at the end of the day, you know, by the time you leave, you could have taken care of one patient all day, 
or you could have taken care of five, six, up to 10 patients, depending on the turnover in your room. But overall, it's really keeping pace with whatever is going on in the room where you are. And again, just making sure that the patient is safe throughout. Thank you, thank you for that explanation. And Susan, as a follow-up, someone brand new walking in as a brand new nurse anesthetist, what is a typical orientation like? What can they expect from their orientation? How long is it typically? Um, can you elaborate on that a little bit for me? Absolutely. Um, since nurse anesthetists have to graduate with well over 2,000 hours and most of them around 25, 2,600 hour clinical hours, our graduates come out very well prepared for the new graduate role. And so they do have an orientation, of course, and that's really based on the facility where they're going to work. Many of our students actually take jobs in facilities that they may have rotated at as a student so that in and of itself can be kind of like a mini orientation um, so that they can kind of hit the ground running sooner um, as opposed to having to learn a new facility. However, there's always like that period of time when you go from the student to the actual practitioner. And so most places offer support to the new graduate. It may not be someone actually working in the room with them, but someone who would be a buddy if they have any questions or anything. Um, that they would need clarification on, especially if it was a procedure, for example, that they had never done before or a surgery that was unique to that facility that they needed to get up to speed on. I think all the other CRNAs are very willing um, to be a resource person and say, oh, you know, this is how we usually do this, or this is what I do, or this is, you know, and so people reach out and help because everyone's been in that boat before. And I think we're very supportive of one another. Excellent, excellent. It's really nice to know that there's that built-in support there. It's very important when you're transitioning um, from different roles. You mentioned um, being a baby boomer earlier and there are lots of jobs available. Is this a job you can do for a long period of time? Is there a lot of flexibility in this? And Susan, I'll let you address that. Well, I'm on the fringe of the baby boomer and the Gen, Gen X. Um, so I'll still be there taking care of the older baby boomers. Uh, and then they'll be taking care of me as a younger baby boomer. Um, so your question, just so I, I make sure I, I get it right, was how long can you do this career? Uh, so yes, let's how long see. can you work in this world? You know, I think it, it is dependent on the person. I think there are many people that work sometimes into their 70s, but many times they're not working, you know, 40 hours a week and no longer doing 24 hour shifts anymore. They'll maybe they're working part time as they do get older like that. Um, but a lot of people would still retire around the same age at 65. Now, there are different jobs that have different um, I would say like physical workload, and maybe that would be harder. As you got older, I, I could address that since I am getting older. So for example, um, you know, procedures where I would have to stand for many hours or walk, you know, really far might be hard for others, but might be easy for, for some because it really depends on the person. Um, uh, so I think you can have a fairly long career in anesthesia. I started when I was 25 and I'm gonna be 60 this year. So 
I'm still really enjoying it. I think that's one of the things about our career that's really great is you're really never going to meet a nurse anesthetist that doesn't like their job. Our job is really cool. It's really interesting. It's different every day. And so I think that's what keeps people in for the uh, for longevity. Thank you. Thank you, Susan. And I know as being a nurse practitioner, we encounter different challenges and issues. Can you talk a little bit about some of the major issues and challenges you may confront as a nurse anesthetist and how you address those challenges? And Edwin, I'll allow you to answer that one if you don't mind. Sure, that's a very, you know, a very good question there. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the challenges, I think uh, one of the key challenges, you know, facing most nurses today, especially nurses in advanced practice, is really, you know, how do you translate evidence into practice, right? And that is what we're currently addressing with the DNPs or the doctorate, into, uh, the doctorate in clinical practice. So really making sure that you stay on top of your game, stay on top of the evidence, use the best evidence to take care of the patients that you meet. At the national level as a profession, there's always the politics involved in, you know, between the physicians and the nurse anesthetists and scope of practice. And again, that is something that really is going to change from state to state and even from one institution to the other. On a day-to-day -day basis, I think uh, some of the challenges that nurse anesthetists may face will just be making sure that you're keeping up pace with the activity going on in your room, making sure that you know, you're up to speed on your patient's conditions, you know, making sure that you've done a thorough job really getting to know your patient and their conditions. Because you know, in a day of a nurse anesthetist, you may meet a patient literally five minutes before the procedure, before the surgical procedure, and you have to be able to connect with that patient, talk to them, get a good assessment of their condition, know what their medical history is, and establish a good rapport with them. You know, so those are some of the key things that the nurse anesthetists have to deal with if you look at it from a day-to-day -day basis, as opposed to looking at it from a national perspective. Thank you. Did you notice that any of these changed during COVID, or were there a lot of other issues that came up because of COVID that nurse anesthetists had to deal with? Sure. I mean, as experts in airway management, you know, during COVID, as you can imagine, it became an issue of self-preservation versus greater good. Right, because as a nurse anesthetist, why everybody is running away from the airway, well, if the patient's sat is dropping, as some of the patients had difficulties breathing during COVID, somebody has to intubate them. And that is when, as a nurse anesthetist, you, they had to step up and deal with that. Plus now, a lot of nurse anesthetists had the additional challenge of, it's not just enough to go take care of the patient, am I gonna bring this back home to my family, which is something that most nurses you know, and other healthcare providers face. You know, that balance of taking care of the patient that I have, as opposed to protecting myself and also protecting my family, you know, making sure that you do not take any disease home. Scope of practice at the national level, I think COVID really came and shed light on what nurse anesthetists could do and allowed some of them to really be able to practice to full potential or to the full scope of their practice. So there is some silver lining them. As more hospitals relax some restrictions, nurse anesthetists were really allowed to really practice everything that you not know, to the fullest, uh, to the full scope of their potential. Now, so again, it's been a fine balance of managing stress, being the best you can be, and doing everything that you are trained to do.
Thank you so much, Edwin. Um, very key information there. Now, I know earlier we talked a little bit about other things in a nurse anesthetists can do outside of the OR, but we had a question from the audience and wondered if you could elaborate a little bit on places or settings a nurse anesthetist can work in other than the operating room. And Susan, I'll let you answer. I think Edwin answered earlier. So Susan, do you have anything to add to that? Um, I, I can add just a little. I mean, still, even if we're doing offsite or non-operating room anesthesia, a lot of the things that we're doing are still the same. We may be doing general anesthesia where the patient goes all the way to sleep or and is, has a breathing tube, or we may be doing sedation for those people. Um, the other thing that Edwin discussed a little bit and I can elaborate on is interventional pain management. So pain blocks, and that would be done at a, um, at a pain center, not necessarily in the hospital, probably a freestanding uh, uh, location where the nurse anesthetist is certified um, in non-surgical pain management and is uh, doing some very advanced procedures to help patients with chronic and even acute pain management. And so that might be uh, something that a lot of people are unaware that nurse anesthetists do. Thank you so much, Susan, for elaborating on that. And this next question is for the both of you. How do you handle stress and burnout? And I'll begin with you, Susan. So, um, and Edwin talked a little bit about one of the things that um, is, a, is a strong characteristic for a nurse anesthetist or someone thinking about it is being able to handle stress. So, you know, a lot of times people say, well, you know, everything was going crazy in the room and I looked up, you, looked up at you and you were just like calm, cool and calm as a cucumber. And, and that's something that we have to, uh, you know, project outwardly, outward calm, maybe, maybe inside, not so much. So, um, you know, handling stress is, is a re regular and routine part of our job. So I think um, COVID really brought a lot to the forefront about of people feeling burned out and stressed, not just in nurse anesthesia, but in nursing as, as an entire profession. And I think um, people have really recognized that this is an issue for nurses and nurse anesthetists. And I know that our own professional organization is addressing it. People are doing studies and researching it to see how we can take care of each other better. And so um, that's sort of like the overarching picture. So I think people are really talking about it. I think once you're talking about it, then things can really change. Personally, how I've handled stress in the operating room is I'm a longtime runner. So that was how I relieved stress. It was very um, helpful for me but I know somebody who really liked to bake the most beautiful cupcakes I've ever seen in my life. And that was how she relieved her stress. So everybody handles that a little bit differently, but I do always tell the students, so, you know, like don't stop doing some of the things that you enjoyed while you're studying, you still have to break it up and you still have to do the things that you enjoy. So that will, can make you have a sense of normalcy, normalcy and relieve your stress. Thank you, very important. Self-care is very, very important. Edwin, would you like to add anything about handling stress and burnout? Sure, I mean, for me, I think uh, one thing I've really tried to develop is have a very good support system, you know, not just within my family, but with friends, you know, have a good strong network of friends and collaborators, people that you can talk to. You know, these days I have a young family and my kids are so much into many activities, soccer here and there. So a lot of times, you know, while they are playing their soccer, that's usually a good time for me to 
talk to other parents, a good time for me to walk, you know, just enjoy the outside. I equally like gardening, so I spend a lot of my weekends, if I do not have soccer with the kids, you know, spending time in the backyard, working on the garden, working, making sure my yard looks good. Again, something to just keep me away and make sure that, you know, I stay grounded. Most importantly, you know, I try to take breaks when I have to, you know, I take my vacation when I need so that I can, re you know, recharge before I get back to work. Thank you so much. Another great point, taking your vacation when needed and truly taking time away from the computer and just kind of taking a mental break is very important. Another question for the both of you, what do you like most about being a nurse and ethicist? And Edwin, I'll allow you to go first. As a nurse and ethicist, I think there is some aspect of instant gratification, you know, where you meet somebody, depending on the setting where you're working, you meet a patient, you know, and if you work like, for instance, in OB, you know, always joke that, you know, you meet a lady who is about to have a, a, a baby, they are in so much pain, you place an epidural and the pain is relieved almost instantly. And you see this sense of relief and satisfaction that comes with it. At the same time, you have, you know, patients who may come in for advanced procedures, maybe surgical procedures, and it's really gratifying to know that, you know, you've played a role, you know, in their trajectory towards recovery. You know, you may have a patient who was very unstable, and it's very gratifying to know that you played a role in keeping them alive, you know, and getting them through these very difficult times in their life. Uh, to me, it's really, really, you know, gives an internal sense of satisfaction doing that day in that day out. Thank you, Edwin. And Susan, would you like to add anything about what you enjoy most about being yes. a nurse? And so, yeah, I mean, I agree with all the things that Edwin said, but I also have done a lot of pediatrics. I've also done a lot of cardiac. So one of the things I really enjoy about my job is when my patient wakes up just beautifully and perfect and they're comfortable and I take them to recovery and that I stop by recovery and I see them and they're, you know, heading out and looking really, really well, feeling well. So that gives me great personal satisfaction. I do enjoy doing pediatric cases. I enjoy interacting with the children. Um, it's definitely a different um, interaction than you have with adults because they don't necessarily understand what you're doing. And so it's also really important to engage with their family and to gain their trust and confidence and then also do a great job with the anesthesia. So I really enjoy that because I can anesthetize a great number of different populations. Not, it's not always adults. Sometimes it's pediatric, sometimes it's adolescents. Um, like Edwin said, sometimes it's pregnant patients. Um, so it really can run the gamut. And I think that's another thing that's really awesome about our job. Thank you. Thank you both so much for those responses. And it looks like we're almost out of time. So I'm going to allow each of you to give us final takeaways, something you want to leave with the audience. And I'll begin with you, Edwin. One last final thought. Sure. Again, uh, thank you, first of all, for inviting us. Uh, this has been a great conversation. And for all the nurses out there or, you know, pre-nursing, somebody who is contemplating this awesome career, I would say, you know, follow your dreams. You know, it's doable. Are there challenges? Sure. But it's totally worth it. Now, make sure that you talk to somebody. 
make sure that you connect with somebody who is already doing or who is already in nurse anesthetics. Create time to shadow and make sure that this is a career for you. You know, if you have some deficits in your, you know, in your GPA, maybe in undergraduate you didn't have a stellar GPA, but if you really think this is something that you want to do, there are resources out there which you may access, such as taking some graduate level courses, reaching out to the program directors, in, you know, or directors of programs you are interested in going to, and talking to somebody. Now, again, it's a great career. It's really been a blessing for us. It gives us a unique opportunity to really play a role in the patient's trajectory as they recover. And it's, I really would not do anything else if I was to redo it again. I was to be a nurse and nurse studies. Thank you, Edwin. And Susan, any final thoughts, takeaways for the audience? Yeah, one thing I'd like to say is that when I graduated from nurse anesthesia school, they used to call us the best kept secret in the OR. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we kind of liked that. And then one day, I think as an organization, we realized, why are we a secret? We can't be a secret anymore. And so I think it's really, really great that I've seen over the years that people are learning about our career much earlier and finding out about it so that they can actually have the time to head right into it. And, you know, not as opposed to spending time trying to figure out what they want to do, they're heading right into our career. So to echo what Edwin said, if, if you think it's what you want to do, find out the resources, search it out. We're all happy to talk to you. We're a career, we're a, a profession of 59,000 nurse anesthetists in the United States right now. And there are about 2,500 students graduating every year. So we're, we're growing and growing and we'd love to have you join us. Thank you so much. This has been such an interesting conversation today, and I appreciate you, Dr. McMullen, and you, Dr. Oroki, for being here with us today. And I appreciate you all as our audience being here with us today. Thank you all for watching, and we'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls. Thanks for listening to Clinical Pearls from the UAB School of Nursing Health Network. This podcast is also available in video form at youtube.com forward slash C forward slash nursing network.